This is the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales with special guests, industry experts, and local charities. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello, and welcome to the Legal Lounge, where we now release new episodes every Monday. If you haven't heard previous shows, there's plenty of content for you. If you're going through a divorce, want to know more about claiming for injuries, or you're training to be a lawyer, you can listen to these shows on your favourite podcast app and get more information by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this podcast, private client solicitor Edward Rees and paralegal apprentice Cameron Petch talk with financial advisor Jack Fallows about planning for life, illustrated in Jack's book, Money, the Assembly Guide, referencing Maslow's hierarchy of needs and converting the pyramid theory to a Jenga tower. They discuss the importance of many aspects of life, including health and how to protect yourself with insurance and lasting powers of attorney. When financial planning, please consider that your capital is at risk. Tax legislation is subject to change and depends upon your personal circumstances. I think what's happened here is that uh, they've tried to go for the two ends of the spectrum because when we talked about who was going to be doing this, I got an invite to, uh, to, to come on this podcast with you, Jack. And I said, well, why are they asking me? Because you normally do stuff with David. He's the one you have most contact with. And the answer came back, well, we've gone for the two extremes. We've gone for Cameron, who, if you don't mind me saying it, Cameron, you're, well, you tell us how old you are. Uh, 19, almost 20. I will point that out. But yeah, 19. So your role here, you're an apprentice. What are you? I'm a, yeah, a paralegal apprentice uh, working within the personal injury department. Um, So I've been with LB for just under a year. Brilliant. Okay. So what they wanted to do was take someone young, fresh, not jaundiced, optimistic, not beaten down by life and put him side by side with uh, somebody right at the other end of the spectrum who's old, broken down and uh, has lost all positivity. And, and of course, David did not fall into that <laughs> at all. So anyway, enough of me talking, uh, Jack. We, we wanted to pull apart some of the themes in the book. In terms of critical review, I think it's actually, it's really excellent. It's a really good read. It doesn't take long, which is always a good thing. You can read it in a couple of sittings, total about an hour and a half. It's well put together. It's got some nice punchy sort of review bullet points at the end of each section. And it's low, very, very low on financial jargon. And the thing I really liked about it was uh, that it doesn't preach at you. Uh, It didn't for someone like me at my time of life, uh, who's obviously missed the boat or is maybe one of the people you described as having their head in the sand. Tell me what a terrible human being I am. It gave me some hope that I might be redeemed. <laughs> there might be some hope for me. But it, you know, it's, it's positive message uh, all the way through and just practical things to consider. So enough of the advert. We wanted to sort of try and pin this together with law, life, those kind of themes didn't we absolutely yeah so it's i mean it's lovely to be on the podcast thank you for having me again and it's not going to be all about my book what we've done is we've identified the areas of the book where actually it's completely relevant to what you're doing here with law as well so principally the the book is a um, based on a metaphor so as you said you've got um a a guy who shares an uncanny resemblance to um, manuel from faulty towers (laughs) and cameron i don't know why you're laughing because there's no chance at 19 you know 
know what that well, is, yeah, but you yeah. laughed anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in 1943, this guy, um, Abraham Maslow, came up with what uh, actually you might know, Cameron, which is the hierarchy of needs. Yes. So, um, so you knew you already knew about that. It did actually pop up in my A-level business. Well, actually, it's a psychological. Okay. Um, framework. Yeah, so he was a psychologist. What he was trying to postulate at the time, using going going using some of my uh, university words there that I don't use very often, postulate. Quite, quite, quite a posh word that. <laughs> Thank you. That's my one for the podcast. Yeah, so basically he was he was putting forward that we humans have five basic needs and really we should fulfill them in order and he put forward the particular order so that we can live a kind of safe satisfying lifestyle however he said that one of the weaknesses of this was that society will push us up that pyramid as you put it Cameron quicker than we should do so fundamentally these levels are at the bottom really you should be thinking about food water and health Next, <laughs> once you've fulfilled your need for food, water, and you've got good health, then start thinking about, right, employment, where's my source of income going to come from, and property as well. Next, once you've fulfilled that need, then Maslow is saying, right, you should be moving up to looking towards family, procreating, friendships, intimate relationships, that sort of stuff. Beyond that, once you've fulfilled that need, you then have self-esteem and respect for and by others. And then finally, it's all about, this is referred to sometimes as self-actualization, but really what that means is going out and looking for problems to solve. And so you can see what he's, he's trying to say here. Really, the last thing you want to do is to look to find problems, because before that point, you've, you've probably got them, especially if you're, you're thinking about food, water, shelter. That's First world it. problems, yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. yeah, that's, right. it. yeah. that's it, that's yeah. it, exactly. So what I've done here is said, right, this actually really applies to finance. And as all good stories start, the reason this idea came to me was um, I was taking out the bins. As I was taking out the bins, you can imagine me there, not really wearing my Sunday best, um, probably just pyjamas and some Crocs, which I'm ashamed to say that I own, to take out the bins. A neighbour came across and started peppering me with questions, saying, hey, Jack, you're, um, you're a finance guy, aren't you? You do finance stuff. Tell me, crypto, should I be investing in that? And then before I could even draw breath to answer him, it was, and which one should I go for? And how much should I put in? But if I wasn't going to do that, what else should I invest in? And what could be the potential returns? And I, I, I wondered when he was going to take breath asking me all these questions. But fundamentally, I don't believe he was asking me the right questions. I don't think he'd got his priorities in the right order. And this is what Mazza was trying to say, was that even in 1943, when people really should have been thinking about putting kind of food and, and water mm -hmm. on the table for yeah. their family and yeah. so on. Yeah, there was a war on and all yeah. the rest of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly, yeah. Society was still looking toward, right, um, what do we need to be wearing that's most fashionable? What is the best mode of transport? Can we get the new wireless radio? Those sorts of things. And in this case, what I believe my, my neighbour has been susceptible to is being pushed up the pyramid too soon. So whereas we've got Maslow's pyramid, if I was going to put my own labels on it, as I have done in the book, at the bottom, it should be insurance, protecting your most valuable asset, which isn't actually your income, it's your ability to earn an income. 
which is derived from your health. Yeah. So for, for you, that's the, it, it's health. It's it's all that's the absolute foundation, isn't it? Which that's where it all comes sense. from. You can't do yeah. anything if you're not if if you're not healthy. Yeah. If I mean, if I ask you to think about one of your bucket list items, one of your plans for the future, even if it's later this week, um, what you're doing this weekend, or in a couple of months' time, your holiday, or even further away retirement, so on and so forth you've automatically put an assumption in your head there when you envisage that, and that is that you're going to have good health all the way running up to it, and then once you do it, you're also going to have good health. But that's the uh, that's the biggest curveball we could possibly be throwing. Beyond that, um, then it's really important to have a fund in place because life will throw those curveballs at you. Um, but going to credit cards, loans, or dipping into investments isn't really the place to go for those. So I would call the, the second level emergency fund. Beyond that, then start talking about investing. And that's where we've got this really solid foundation in place. Okay, so we are building a structure. And actually, at this point, this is where I started to think, mm, I don't really like the pyramid. It's a bit antiquated. It's a bit elite. And so um, I started to use that wooden block tower game that we play. So we, we can say, Jenga, there's, there's no problem. We're not on the BBC, are we? No, we're fine. We're fine with that. And th- the reason I like using that analogy is because we've all played Jenga and even children play Jenga. And it doesn't ch- take a genius to know that when you've only got a few blocks at the bottom and you've got a lot of blocks at the top and you're playing Jenga, it's not long until that thing's coming tumbling down. And that's a bit like that neighbour talking about investments and crypto and things that are quite risky and speculative before asking the question, right, have I got solid foundations to do this upon? Beyond investing, then you've got retirement, which is just investing, but pretty much a longer term when you're looking to stop working in most cases. And then finally, what I call inheritance or legacy, really. That's the the very last thing uh, I say that you should be thinking of if you're going to look at things in the correct priority order. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the good thing about this, of course, is that you as a financial advisor, because you, you, you're making your money, you're, make, you're living out of putting together plans for people where they are going to be investing. But again, it's very jargon free, the, 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 the book. And, and actually, there are a lot of stages before the point at which you'd be saying to people, now it's fine to invest, isn't it? So I, can't, I find that refreshing that you're not pushing <laughs> investments. And when you're talking about investments, you're being very careful when you're talking about that again with the, i mean you're not going to advise anybody to go into cryptocurrency but you're making the point there that that's specu- you know speculation and people confuse investment with what's actually just gambling speculation mm. uh, in many cases and there's other things that you talk about you know risk that you know when you're at that level well at any level that there's risk involved in absolutely everything in every decision you make. So uh, I, I found those things refreshing. I just thought I would I would make that comment, uh, Jack. There we <laughs> good, go. Good, good. Yeah, Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. There, we, we should probably put the caveat in now that I've I've spoken to Pete, and if you give me any negative feedback. Um, Pete, the podcast editor, yeah, he's well, just going to take that out. Okay. So, uh, well, I yeah. told you about. I found it wasn't a typo, but I did. I did proofreading, and there was there was there were three words that were printed consecutively. But other than that, it's all fine. Pete, you know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. All right. So somehow, within our time that we have today, we're going to try and put this into a framework where we have some crossover with legal law, the kind of work that we do, and the experiences that we have, and particularly the experience that Cameron uh, has. You know, we were talking about this before we came on the, the recording. Um, 
for example, Cameron, you're only about a year or so out of school, aren't you? Yeah, and, yeah more or less. Uh, we were just talking about how much education is there in any of these areas? How much financial related to life planning, education, guidance is there? at school because yeah, I don't think I got any no I mean very little I think would be the short answer to that from what I can remember the the, the highest and the furthest that they certainly my school um, taught to do with finances getting your finances in order within secondary school itself so before you go on and you do your A-levels but in that main block of secondary education I think the, the extent of it was in maths class, learning about depreciation of a car. Say, you know, if John buys a car at £5,000, how much is it worth after 10 years with a depreciation value of 2% a year? You know, something like that. And then maybe a, a question about compound interest, you know, flipped it on, its, on, the, on the other side. That probably... It was, I mean, it's been, you know, I think what we, about three years since I've been in, in secondary education, mm-hmm. but that was about it, which I think is just wrong, I think, in a way, because you've, you've got people coming out of school who just go into the world blind, um, you know, who who have really, really no real idea of the sort of quote unquote adult things, you know, how to really go forward in life when you're being taught these, quite frankly, pointless sort of things that schools think you should know about but really you shouldn't you know that you're not taught the important stuff what we're you know what what you talk about what you're what you spend your life sort of doing you can tell me about compounding yeah okay Th- that's really high up the jenga tower yeah <laughs> exactly well, exactly yeah. yeah it's it's like that's great fantastic so you know how warren buffett made his billions yeah um but you haven't been told that your most important asset in life is health exactly and how to properly protect it and how you how a mortgage works and how you would go about saving for one let alone putting one in place uh, again unless you sort of certainly in my case unless you make that decision to choose maybe business studies as uh, as a subject like I did I mean it was one of my a levels uh, you learn quite a few, well not even quite a lot really a fair amount to do with personal finance, business finance. Uh, for me, it's given me the knowledge that I have and I've learned nothing really else from school about it, apart from the stuff that I may have picked up just through osmosis, through colleagues mm-hmm. and through family members just being out in the world for the last sort of 12 months. And talking about not learning much at school, Ed- Edward, what were you taught at school <laughs> well, about I, finance? I, it's so long ago, I can't remember. But nothing really. I, I did an e- economics A-level, but it was all mostly theoretical or, or macro. And then my career in maths at school was a disaster I, I failed my maths so level first time around I did get it in the end but it just abs- could not get my head around everything partly I suppose because it was so abstract but mm. no discussion about mortgages no. finance definitely not co- well they probably did do something about compound interest but that pro- was probably beyond me um, depreciation still is beyond me <laughs> but uh, but nothing practical or useful uh, in terms of life skills that would that would help me in this area. Yeah, absolutely nothing. There's two things really here um, that we can both attest to as being very important at a foundational level from a both a money point of view, but also a legal point of view. From my side of the fence, that's just acknowledging first and foremost what your most valuable asset is. If I say to most people, what's your most valuable asset? They immediately start thinking and, and envisaging their house, maybe a really nice car, 
something like that. It's quite a while until they start thinking that it might be their income and how that multiplies over time, but you still need your health to earn your income. At the moment, just kind of like signpost where we are on the Jenga tower. We're right at the bottom now, and what I would label the insurance element of that, those building blocks. It's it's interesting that I'm here talking about insuring your health, protecting your health, and your ability to earn an income. You use a similar phrase for talking about lasting power of attorney, don't you? Well, we do, yes. For want of a better way of describing it, we sell it as uh, as being like an insurance policy, that if you've lost your capacity... If you're no longer able to make decisions, manage your affairs yourself, what are you going to do? You need in that situation to have the appropriate delegated authority in place. What is that? It's a lasting power of attorney. What happens if you don't have that? There's going to be a load of trouble, a lot of form filling, a prolonged application to the court of protection, a lot of expense, very, very stressful for for your family, for your loved ones. So... You can bypass that by putting the delegated authority in place, the lasting power of attorney, and that's your insurance. You may be insuring against something that you hope will never happen. It probably won't. But if it does, you've got the appropriate authority in place. It's building that foundation, isn't it? Well, isn't that kind of the definition of insurance? Paying for something and hoping it's a yes. waste of money. You're talking about these foundational things, these things that you really need to think about. You know, This is what you must have before you start talking about cryptocurrency or whatever. Yeah. You've got to have that. And you wouldn't necessarily think a legal product, which you've got to go out and buy, and is not actually at the top of your priorities. You can't get it in a supermarket. Well, you can't yet, anyway. That actually, that's that important. It's that fundamental. It, it's. I'd almost go as far as saying it's not common knowledge what a lasting power of attorney is, what it does, why it's important. And I would say not to the same extent, but it's quite similar when you start saying to people, right, you've got sick pay, I understand that. What happens when you exceed that? And then you get a bit of a blank expression. You say, have you heard of statutory sick pay? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. I get statutory sick pay. And you say, well, what's that? How long does it last? How much does it pay? Just tell them it's about £99 per week. And they start, start doing these computations in their head then as to what that would buy and it doesn't really buy very much it certainly doesn't pay much more than the mortgage as a minimum so it's 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 really interesting that what we're talking about here for us it's the non-negotiable it's a foundation upon which everything else stands however out in the public it seems to be the area where it's it's frequently overlooked i talked about at the beginning people burying their heads in the sand it may just be there's a lot going on in people's lives and they just don't get to these things but this is the point isn't it? it's all about planning and trying to get the foundational things in place yeah so next up on the jenga tower next stop is emergency fund this is something that i frequently see either is it in place or it exists, but it hasn't been labelled as such. So an emergency fund is life absolutely will throw challenges at you. And whatever the weather, you need, need to be able to withstand them without having to go onto credit cards, loans, or dipping into those crypto investments and those sorts of things, which we will get into in a moment. So what I put forward is that just really quite simple rule of thumb. Think of your outgoings, your total outgoings per month, if to say they're £2,000 per month, as an absolute minimum, times that by three and have it in cash or what we would call a cash equivalent at any given point in time. So that could be cash in under the mattress. <laughs> um, it could it could be um, premium bonds, and they're pretty quick and easy to get hold of if you need to. Um, it could be a cash ISA, cash or cash equivalents, okay? 
And the reason is because when that curveball is thrown at you, number one, you need to be able to get hold of your money really quickly. It needs to be without any early withdrawal penalties and things that are going to pre- prevent you from wanting to get hold of it. N- number two, um, it shouldn't be coming out of an area where it's kind of it's going up and down in value because again, that's going to be another barrier to you you wanting to to access it as well. So. Three times your monthly outgoings is a minimum because, well, if you think about that, that gives you three months to figure out what's going on to if you've if you've been in an accident and you've broken a leg or something, that means you've got three months to figure out where income is going to be coming from or if you need to get to work, are you going to be getting lifts to work, those sorts of things. That's a minimum. I try and get my clients up to six months. If you've got people who are self-employed or they're running their own business, even go as far as... as 12 months of, of outgoings and especially if someone hasn't got a, a, a huge kind of attitude towards risk they haven't got much of a, um, a capacity to take that risk on board that's number two and again we're still talking about these really fundamental foundational levels of, of someone's finance which again you need to have in place before you start thinking about cryptocurrency all these all these different things things i like about this you've got this couple haven't you that you use as a as a working example all the way through the book mark and lisa and again one of the things that i like about this is that um they haven't got it sorted have they really by any stretch but you're not preachy about that and 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 they don't end up dead in a ditch uh, <laughs> or in penury <laughs> Uh, at the end of the book that isn't the point you're trying to make I think the the point you're trying to make is you do what you can you've got to try and address these things you've got to deal with them the other thing that's good is so far all of the things that you've been talking about none of them are going to make you any money are they (laughs) you you as a you know you you in your profession I mean I've made some through the last empower attorney but so far you've done absolutely you've you've I've made made a bit on insurance a bit oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, of course but you do you do make a good point Yeah. yeah and and I think also you've touched on why it is we're exposed to so much of the other elements of law or finance that the sexy bits, as I'd probably call them. Well, I'm definitely not in the sexy. <laughs> law. I, 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 Cameron probably, are you? but well, no, you're not really. Are no, you? not no, really. No, it's no, quite, really. No, yeah, no, okay. no, very unsexy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sexy in terms of they're easier to promote and they, they've they've probably got films you don't get films really about insurance do you <laughs> unless the, unless the film went bust but you have the wolf of wall street was, was, wall street was about yeah. uh, you know insurance it wouldn't be the same that's it so the, the the bottom of the tower is boring and that's why i think we aren't as exposed to information whether that be um on news social media wherever you get your different podcasts wherever you get your information i don't think we're as exposed to as much is because they're not as um not as conducive to clicks shall we say it's pointless laboring the point much more than that really i find either people don't have an emergency fund in place and when they're in a pickle it then just snowballs and they have to dip into credit cards or investments or they do have money in place and they would call it savings but I would argue well what is savings what are you saving for in the book I've given a bit of a structure as to how you can disseminate whether something is emergency fund or if you just move straight up into the next category which is investing and I talk about overexposing yourself to inflation and so on there but I won't go into the depth principally what I'm, I'm talking about is just being able to call upon something quick and easily when you need it. And it is almost a law of physics that when you have the boiler go down, yeah. they come in threes. Yeah, yeah. The, the car will tires or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and then there's a school trip you haven't thought about. 
yeah, all in threes. When we're talking about law, there is kind of there's something that fits into that area as well, isn't it, for, for emergencies? Yeah, I, I guess so. I think emergency would, would, would sit it. Because again, with emergencies, you're, you're, you're needing this buffer, aren't you? This reserve, this headroom to for, for the worst case scenario. Uh, so things that you really hope aren't going to happen, but like you say, life's going to throw you a curveball. So we were scratching our heads about that. And it isn't my area of law, but I did think, I suppose a parallel would be in, in family matrimonial law, where, dare I say it, you know, the prenuptial agreement, again, not very glamorous, not a, not a particularly nice thing to talk about with people who are about to enter into wedded bliss, but planning for the worst, you know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best, planning, because everything you're talking about is planning. So prenup agreement, cohabitation agreements, that sort of thing. Can't say any more than that because it's really not my area of law at all. But if you're thinking about building those layers, planning for life and planning for what may be thrown at you and the curveballs and the worst that could happen, you do kind of need to think about, you know, let's enter into this positively, but what's the worst that could happen? So next up on the Jenga Tower then is investing. So we're at the halfway point now, and this is the bit where usually we get a lot of questions, um, especially in finance, is this this is where people are taught at school, Cameron, yeah. what compounding is, for yeah. example. When you open up, um, are you on Instagram, things like that? Absolutely. Yeah, and what, do you, what are you exposed to with regards to money on Instagram, for example? I mean, a lot of it is 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 pure sort of sensationalized stories sort of the most sort of convoluted uh, banal sort of stories from spurious sort of sources uh, mm-hmm. about maybe someone who i think there was one gosh yeah there was one i saw the other week actually how topical uh, a man had bought about i think it was 500 pounds worth of bitcoin in about 2011 when it was really cheap really under the radar and had stored it in an internet account and uh, had forgotten his password. And the sort of, the, the, the Instagram post was uh, all of that. And uh, he's only got three password tries left. And I thought, I'm not sure whether to believe that. Because, you know, nowadays you don't know what to believe. But mm. I just thought, and, and it, the fact that that is the first one that came to my mind when you're talking about social media and, and finances, I think that speaks a lot. It, it's not only is it not informative, it's probably not true. It's still out there and it's, it's still being sort of forced to me and it's still being sort of, I'm still sort of taking it in. So it's an interesting sort of point to take and a slant to sort of look at. Um, it's sort of muddy water, really. It's the bit we're exposed to the most, I would say. Investing, there's, there's maybe something about human nature. Um, we, like we all like the we all like to talk about what we would win if we won the lottery. I really like the question: Do you play the lottery? And ninety nine percent of the time, <laughs> no, it's no, I don't. Yeah. But it's thinking about having more in the future, isn't it? Yeah. Something tapping into something kind of um, primitive there. With regards to investing, right? So first and foremost, you've had to get through the boring bit to get to get to the sexy bit. Okay, so you've had to put in place taking care of your most valuable asset your health and your ability to earn an income through insurance policies. From a law perspective, that is power of attorney. You're not planning on losing your capacity to make decisions about your finances or your health, but these things do happen. Beyond that, plan for the curveballs that life inherently will throw at you. From a financial perspective, that is demanding money of you when you just don't want to spend it, you haven't planned to spend it, boiler breaking down, something like that. 
from a legal perspective that is prenups. You don't get married planning to get divorced, or maybe some people do, but let's just say the majority don't <laughs> get married and then plan to get... But it might be one of those curveballs that life throws at you. So we've got all those boring bits out of the way, but what that's done is it's created a really solid foundation, which then you can start to take some steps to think, right, I'm going to put this money away and hope that in the future, with the decisions I've made, it turns into more. You can be a little bit more speculative. To get more out of whatever money you put away, you need to have taken an element of risk. And so the point here is, if you're going to be playing Jenga, make sure you've got a really solid bottom to that Jenga tower before you start messing around halfway, because that's exactly where we are now. I'll go into a couple of the frameworks that I've put into the book that will help people kind of cut through all of the the nonsense that you're shown on social media and, and here, there, everywhere. But before I do, from a legal perspective, uh, we decided the corporate environment was was somewhat akin to that middle stage of the Jenga Tower investment. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. So uh, again, not my area, so I have to be very careful what I say. But, but in terms of if you're getting into the investment arena, you're, you're thinking about those aspects of, of risk. There is risk. So it's managing risk. It's thinking about that. We touched on it before, but again, you know, what, what's the worst that could happen? Preparing for the worst, not hoping that that won't happen, but just being sensible. If you were going into business, even with a person that you really trusted, you know, a loved one, a, a relative, a friend, think about the worst, what could happen if it all fell apart. So preparing, if it's a company structure, shareholder agreements, you know, making sure you're taking advice, thinking about, if this falls apart, how can we plan for that? Um, it, it might be a partnership agreement. If it's if it's a partnership, you know, what's the best structure for planning for this if it all works out? But also, if it doesn't all work out and we need to untangle it, we need to unwind it, that we've thought about that and we've put some facilities in place for, for dealing with that before the train goes off the track. Mm. Um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and the reason also why it relates to this this middle part of the Jenga Tower is because quite often when you're thinking about mergers, acquisitions, partnerships, buying, selling companies, mm. whether that be your own or someone else's, mm. fundamentally you're talking about investing. Yeah. You're thinking, yeah. these actions that I take here today, I'm hoping that in X amount of years yeah. they have turned the business yeah. or my situation into something far better than it was you, you're looking yeah. to invest but in taking that risk and looking for the reward mm -hmm. th there is that risk it's about just making sure you do so again on those the most solid of foundations yeah. Yeah. so that's how the corporate element relates yeah risk long term all these things again if, you, if you're reading the, the section of the book about the investing it's brilliant it pulls all those out in a nice bullet point form it gives you five points really isn't it that you can trace on to any asset that you might have and ask yourself does that apply does that work you know is the answer to that question yes all really good some some good myth busting in there and, and also dealing with those things about you know it, we you talked about this uh cam you know irrationality mm. um people behaving in a weird sort of herd like way that defies rational explanation and people's attitude to risk as well and people's attitude to you know to the long term as well those five questions i think is is the extent to which I'll go in with this because it's it's quite a big chapter. Yeah. 
Cameron, think of something you could invest in. Think of somewhere you could put your money, something that's tempted you recently on, on, on social media or wherever you... Oh, well, I mean, you know, the obvious one would be to um, just go straight to the uh, stocks and shares, just market, just buy low, sell high. Yeah, there you <laughs> yeah. go. That's, that, that's all you need. Or, you know, but maybe gold. Okay. Let's go for, let's go, let's go for gold. Yeah, and, and that's, that's quite topical, actually, because the period we're going through at the moment, we've got kind of the hangover from COVID, we've got the conflict in Ukraine, we've got talk of potentially a recession. That's when gold seems to be a bit more popular. You'll probably get a bit more marketing of gold at those points. It definitely flashed up on my phone in amongst the, the things that flash up saying the housing market is is literally, it's Armageddon out there. House prices to fall by a thousand percent tomorrow. Uh, those, that kind of stuff yeah. that you've got to get beyond, haven't you? Well, and, and so these five questions, hopefully, when you're thinking, right, housing markets in trouble, where do I put my money instead? Gold. Okay, I've just received an advert for gold. Just ask yourself these five questions. This goes for anything. Gold, it could be a racehorse, it could be whiskey, it could be stocks and shares, crypto. Number one, does it go up in value over time? I mean, that's kind of the prerequisite to an investment, isn't it? I take a bit of a risk and I want a bit of reward in the yeah. future. Yeah. Okay. Number two, does it provide an income in the meantime? If it's not answering yesterday's questions, it doesn't mean you throw it out straight away, but I would argue there are asset types. Gold is an asset type. A racehorse is an asset type. It's an investment asset, regardless of your thoughts on that. I would say if it's not answering yes to all these questions, there's probably something better out there. Circumstantial, obviously. Number three, do you understand it fully? A lot of investment assets can't pass that test. Gold's quite simple, isn't it? Because you've got gold bullion, you hope that it's stamped up correctly. So it might be, how do you check that it's got the right stamp and you're not just looking at some <laughs> some iron with a, with a gold veneer on it, for example. But you get where I'm going. How do you know it's the quality that it says it is, the gold? How do you know it's the right carrot? So on and so forth. With crypto, if I ask people to explain to me how does crypto work, yeah. it usually falls down at that test. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Hedge funds, all those, you know, just absolutely baffling. I once heard it explained as everything we don't know about money that's been mixed with everything we don't know about computers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, is it low cost to maintain? Yeah. Now with the gold, using the gold as an example, you don't really have to maintain gold. You might want to polish it if you were going to sell it on, but you need to insure it or you need to make sure the hole you've dug in the, the garden, you were doing it late at night and it was in the dark so the neighbours didn't see where you were digging it. You'll need to store it somewhere. It's heavy to transport. It needs maintenance. And then finally, is it easy to withdraw? So let's just talk about the gold again. If you saw a car and say the car was £15,000, oh, brilliant, that's the car I want, but you've got one gold bar worth £30,000, what are you doing? You, you're taking a, a hacksaw to that thing? What, yeah. what do we do now? Yeah. Is, is that, is that easy fungibility? To <laughs> I think that is fungibility. We'll have to look that up. Is that right? I think that might be. I'm not so sure. Yeah. <laughs> Apply those five questions, and any person, I believe with a decent amount of common sense, can answer them. If they're being true and honest to themselves, they can answer those questions. They've already got the answer as to whether that's where they should put their money or not. And I think that's really important when we're getting bombarded by adverts nowadays in terms of where we should be putting our money. This is now the ascent of man. We're nearly at the top, or the ascent of woman. We're not quite at the top. We're at the second to top level. You're at retirement now, aren't you, on your, on your Jenga tower? We are, we are, yes. So Jenga tower, we're nearly at the top. We're now at retirement, which 
arguably is just investing, but over maybe an even longer time horizon. Now, I avoided in the book using the P word. When we talk about retirement, do you want to tell me what the P word is, Cameron? Pension. Yeah, okay, keeping it clean. I I was going to say, I could have thrown you a curveball there, but I decided not to. (laughs) You could have given Pete a bit of uh, work to do on the editing there. Avoided using the P word, which is pension. I mean, I, I promised at the start of the book not to make it worrying or boring, because that's usually what finance books are at their worst and their best, worrying, boring. And if I was going to go into pensions and how they work and the taxation of them, I'm, I'm not delivering there, am I? So I suggest we really look at planning. And I use my dad as an example for this. So very quickly, my dad at age 67, um, he had a stroke. Uh, he had a bleed on the brain and the doctor's basically said this will go one or two ways. Either he will be absolutely fine or you need to start saying your goodbyes. You'll know within the next two days. Luckily, he went the good way. He made a full recovery. It just didn't cure the dad jokes, unfortunately. He was 67. That was his state pension age. I think it was about two weeks previous. He'd actually just officially reached the age and he was. it would have been another two weeks and then he'd have got his first pension payment, his state pension, worked his whole life towards that. However, when it came to the point when they were saying, right, you might need to say goodbyes to your dad. I wasn't overwhelmed with sadness, and that's not because I don't have a good relationship with my dad, I absolutely love him to death, but it's because he retired at 57, and he'd already had such a good retirement. He'd um, sold the house at age 57, used the money to buy a canal boat, spent the next four years on a canal boat. And it just, it was fantastic because his name's Bill. I could call him Barnacle Bill. <laughs> and then he, he went back on dry land then um, and he, he toured the country in, a, in caravans and tents and things like that. Anyway, him and my stepmom had a fantastic time. They probably got a better 10 years than some people have in their entire retirement from state pension aid and beyond. So we couldn't feel sad, my family, that he hadn't had a good crack at this whole retirement thing. If it wasn't for putting a plan in place, and this is pretty much where I'm going to finish retirement um, because it's a heavy topic. But if it wasn't for having had a plan in place, it could have been a very sad story. Retiring at age 57, it didn't just happen. He's not a financial expert. Um, he was a painter and decorator by trade, avoided numbers um, <laughs> like they were the plague. But still, it didn't stop him from putting a plan in place and sticking to it and, and making his goal um, come to fruition. Um, but it all starts with with having a plan. And yeah, it's so important. So at this, at this very lofty position in the Jenga Tower, you've got such a solid structure if you've done it right now. You can start to think, right, what happens when I'm no longer here? Or actually, this becomes the irony of money. So we Brits, we are fascinated with purchasing properties, striving to pay the mortgage and, and talking about when you used to pay X amount of your wages um, and it used to be about 90% of your, your wages on your mortgage in the early days when you were young and now you've paid it off and you're so proud. And the next thing that comes out of someone's mouth is, and it's the kid's inheritance. Yeah. So in my mind, that just means you've been a tenant in this house the whole time because you're just going to pass it on. I try and address the irony of money here and say, look, it is possible to put things in place that mean, number one, you're not a tenant in your own home. Number two, the worry that you might have about the wrong people receiving money at the wrong time, um, whether that be because you've got a few kids and there's, there's always one, isn't there? There's a bit more reckless than the others. People are people. The minute that you start multiplying the number of people up, there is a higher risk that, yeah, somebody's 
going to be a bit more reckless. Uh, uh, it's just people have got different brains. We're all we're all different types, aren't we? But it's it's all comes down here again to planning from our perspective this is where you'd make sure your will is in place yeah. you do some estate planning you look at the things like are we going to have an inheritance tax problem what can we do for that is the problem as bad as we think it is it's planning it's reviewing it's looking at it care fee planning are we concerned about that is there anything we can do is there anything we can do in the will about that because you're trying to protect and preserve Again, like you said, ironically, you know, you've built all this up and then it's trying to mm. protect it to pass it down to the next generation. And then you need to think beyond that. Again, you can't plan and control everything from beyond the grave for a thousand years. I once said that to a client and they said, I said, you know, you can't do that. And they said, no, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> but most people aren't that much of a, you know, want to be in control, but you can't. But But you do want to try and plan for those mm. things that might, be out there protecting the capital that you've built up mm. for the kid who after you've gone might not be very good with money <laughs> might face a divorce might have a curveball thrown at them which if you could protect the funds in some way which you potentially could do using trust structures you're thinking about that you're planning for that without being a complete control freak yeah absolutely there's two things i'd add to that is number one quite often someone's response to this is uh, right we probably need to start looking now we've got a very solid structure we need to start thinking about right what happens when you've amassed all of your wealth and you're, you're no longer around what happens then it's quite interesting because they say well it's not my problem but it's but what's also really interesting is that's quite contradictory in most cases yeah. in that if you said to them right well why don't you just give me it now and i'll just just, we've already determined that you're not going to spend this money. It's just going to die with you and it will it will go wherever it's, it's determined in your will. Why are you saying, oh, I don't care where it goes, when during your lifetime, yes. you wouldn't allow me to take it now, even knowing that you'll never touch it? Um, so that seems to be a bit contradictory. Also, when I ask clients, and this brings everything full circle, what are their, the things that are most important to them in life? It's always about kind of spending time with family, friends, um, having the freedom to do hobbies, do more of the things that they do enjoy, less of the things they don't enjoy. All of that seems to be the things that are, are, are making them happy. It also seems to be that money is the enabler to all of that. And so I don't understand why when someone has amassed and has acknowledged enough funds that will last them in during their lifetime. So they're already saying, look, I know this proportion of my, my, my worldly assets here, I will never touch. Why don't they start then passing that on during their lifetime? It's possible. It, it, and they would get so much more from that themselves. They'd get a lot of happiness because a lot of what they're telling me they value most in life is about helping and being with family friends hobbies things like that so i don't know why they wouldn't want to use those funds that they've said they're not going to use within their lifetime and get some enjoyment out of them but well yeah. you need to have a lot of a plan around that in terms of finance you, and law. You, so. you definitely do but it but it should be part of your planning it should be part of your strategy to think and and actually you know if we're talking about inheritance tax which we promise we won't go down too too far, but it would be part of an inheritance tax planning strategy. I, you know, you've got to acknowledge it's very difficult for people to do this, to think about giving large chunks of capital away because they've got to think about what they're going to need for the rest of the days, and they don't know how long they're going to be around. But nonetheless, it should be part of your planning 
strategy it's all part of the planning it's just the top layer isn't it of the foundations and building building up on your tower we've climbed to the top there we are in the in the clouds at the top of the tower uh, uh, and succeeded in life thanks to your plan thanks to your book uh, jack I'm not sure whether I'm quite there yet. Uh, you probably are. You look, you look very happy. You look very comfortable, Cameron. Uh, what about you, Cameron? Oh, I mean, I've got a long way to go, haven't I? <laughs> I'm sure you will get right to the top and be smiling and happy uh, in no time at all. Yeah. But I would like to thank you uh, both. Jack, thank you very much. Uh, this book's available everywhere, isn't it, really? Yeah, um, yeah. five copies just sold in Italy. So d- don't tell me how that's happened. Yeah, I still think it's a friend pulling a prank on me. He's just gone to Italy and ordered something. Uh, no, if you type in my name, Jack Fallows, on Amazon, it will pop up. And all of the proceeds from the book go to a charitable foundation as well. Thank you to Edward Cameron and Jack for their interesting discussion. If you have a legal issue you'd like me to put to our team to cover in an upcoming episode, please let me know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, please remember to follow or subscribe on your app so you're notified of new releases when they come out every Monday. Speak to you next week. That was the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.